the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. O Almighty God, merciful Father, I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto you all my sins and iniquities with which I have ever offended you and justly deserved your temporal and eternal punishment. But I am heartily sorry for them and sincerely repent of them. And I pray you of your boundless mercy of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to be gracious and merciful to me, a poor sinful being. Upon this short confession, I, by virtue of my office, as a called and ordained servant of the word, announce the grace of God unto all of you. And in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Out for joy to God, all the earth, alleluia. Sing the glory of his name, Give to him glorious praise, alleluia. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. Bless our God, O peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning.
Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Alleluia. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. Alleluia. Christ, have mercy upon us. Glory be to God on high. We bless thee, we worship thee. We glorify thee, we give thanks to thee for thy great glory. O Lord God, heavenly King, God the Father Almighty. O Lord, the only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. O Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father. Thou that takest away the sin of the world, receive our prayer. Thou that sittest at the right hand of God the Father, The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, you show those in error the light of your truth so that they may return to the way of righteousness. Grant faithfulness to all who are admitted into the fellowship of Christ's church, that they may avoid whatever is contrary to their confession and follow all such things as are pleasing to you. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Old Testament reading for Jubilate, the fourth Sunday of Easter, is from Isaiah chapter 40, beginning at the 25th verse. To whom then will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One? 
Lift up your eyes on high and see who created thee. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name. By the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle is from 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning at the 11th verse. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Servants, be subjects to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. This is the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. He sent redemption to his people. Hallelujah. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Hallelujah.
Holy Gospel is written in the 16th chapter of St. John, beginning at the 16th verse. Jesus said, A little while and you will see me no longer, and again a little while and you will see me. So some of his disciples said to one another, What is this that he says to us? A little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while, and you will see me. And because I'm going to the Father, so they were saying, What does he mean, a little while? We do not know what he is talking about. Jesus knew what they wanted to ask him, and so he said to them, Is this what you are asking yourselves, what I meant by saying, A little while, and you will not see me? And again, a little while, and you will see me? Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, and the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a man has come into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom will things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of the Father, and he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead. His kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spake by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church, I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. If the grave is the thing that shuts us in, but actually for the believer is the gate to heaven, then the gates in 1755 were wide open. You see, a wave of terror, red terror, red for blood, red for the nations that were attacking the entire western frontier, a madness of unslakable blood, had filled the Indians since the taste of the great victory at the Mongahela over Braddock and the British. It started slowly after the battle, a continuation of raids with a cabin burned here, a family butchered over there, 
general skirmishing all along the Pennsylvania, New York, and Virginia frontiers. Kind of hard to put your finger on it. Because you see, Contracour, who was the commander of Fort Duquesne, which is what we call Pittsburgh today, he, he um, wasn't really sure violence was always the best action, especially violence involving atrocities. He wasn't, he was a little queasy in that. But then he got recalled to Montreal, and his, the guy that took over for him was a Captain Dumas. And Dumas, he had no form of queasiness when it came to violence, kind of liked it. So he had a big council and he, you know, killed a bunch of, of bulls and oxen and had a big barbecue and had a lot of good, good uh, French rum, French uh, brandy. And then he met with all the different tribes that were supporting the French, which was almost all of them. And he said to them, he said, I want you to go out and I want you to spread yourselves throughout the whole country as far as you can go and take scalps, kill the English, all of them. Kill them in any way you like, with club, with gun, with knife, with tomahawk. Torture them with fire, burn them with coals, burn their houses, destroy their livestock, destroy everything they own, and drive them back to the coastal cities, and then we, the French, with our armies, will finish them off. But kill them all. Kill. And they did. And they did. They did. There was a reign of atrocity and death that swept the western frontier. Pennsylvania... Virginia, New York, the, the Shawnees, the Delawares, the Hurons, the Senecas, the Cayugas, the Ottawas, the Chippewa, the Potawatomis, even the Miamis and Wyandots from distant places that we call now Illinois and Wisconsin were involved in it. It was quite the slaughter. It was really a time of unparalleled horror and terror and destruction, even much worse than the American Revolution 15 years later, much worse. It seemed almost as if Jesus' words in today's gospel lesson had become a living reality to the English settlers. That now, most assuredly, I say, you will weep and lament, and you will be sorrowful, and the world will rejoice. Therefore, now you will have sorrow. Because that is what they had. They had sorrow. They had sorrow. Deep sorrow. But Christ doesn't leave us, does he, in John 16, 20 and 22, with merely the sorrow. No, he says that your sorrow will, will be turned to joy, and that joy no one will be able to take from you. But you will have sorrow nonetheless. And, 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 and that sorrow is a real sorrow. It's a sorrow that comes from the pain of death and the pain of loss. It comes from the physical and mental anguish. Physical pain caused by hunger or thirst or heat or cold or sickness and also the emotional pain, especially at the death of our loved ones. It's the pain of insult and outrage. And while the New Testament doesn't really take a hard position on this Greek word, lupe, for, for sorrow, whether it's really ultimately an evil word or a good word, it's kind of more neutral on it. But yet the, the scriptures do take the position that it's okay to try to avoid it. That's why St. Paul declares in 2 Corinthians 2, verse 1, that I am determined thus within myself not to come again to you in sorrow. So it's okay to kind of try to avoid it some, right? But the main sense of this word sorrow is grief. It's grief, spiritual grief, physical grief, emotional grief, it's grief. And St. Paul, he articulates this emotion in Romans 9, 2 to 4, when he talks about 
how his, I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the, the giving of the Torah, the promises. In other words, what the apostle is saying there is that if, if he could, if, if what God would demand was his own annihilation in hell, he would take that if, his, if the other Jews would be saved. It's a pretty, pretty amazing statement. That's a pretty, pretty serious, heavy grief, I would say. St. Paul shows us this is word for grief or sorrow also can pertain to physical things, physical, physical grief over, over somebody else's suffering. He talks about how he's sending to the Philippians his, his fellow, fellow servant, Ephroditus, who had been sick almost to death, he writes, but God had mercy on him and had mercy on me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow, lupe upon lupe. Yes, St. Paul is acknowledging that God healed his fellow pastor to alleviate some of St. Paul's own sorrow over his friend dying. Thus, what can we conclude about this idea of scriptural sorrow, scriptural grieving and pain? Well, the first thing we conclude is that you can't avoid it. If you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to have it. It's going to happen, right? That's why Jesus says, most assuredly, I say to you that you will weep and lament, right? That you can't avoid sorrow, spiritual sorrow. No, just as Christ could not avoid the cross, so you too, you and I cannot, we cannot avoid our cross. Our cross as we grieve over those who just refuse to believe, right? Secondly, it's okay to try to avoid it. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with not trying to invite more of it into your life than you already have, right? It's okay to try to, to, to live a sorrowful life. We don't have to go seek out sorrow, right? Be and why do, we, why do we know that? Well, because we know that enough of it will accrue to us without us looking for it, right? I mean, Jesus makes this very clear in Matthew 6, 34, when he says, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Trouble in Greek here is, an, is, a, is a synonym for sorrow. It's, it's a similar name, word. You could just as easily put sorrow there. And thirdly, earthly sorrows, which can be physical or emotional, and they're real. I'm not saying they're not real, okay? Will be limited by God. God, God will never over, overwhelm us with it. That's the reason why we know this, because we, we read how God healed Ephroditus to spare the apostle Paul sorrow upon sorrow. So they're going to be limited. They're, they're never going to overwhelm us completely, right? And we know this because in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, God tells us through the Apostle Paul that no temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond your ability to bear, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you might be able to bear it, that you may be able to bear it, Right? Because what is the because the what is the temptation when you know the greatest temptation when we're overwhelmed by sorrow is the temptation to stop believing that God loves us. Thus, in the end, Jesus has promises us that our earthly trials and tribulations, though very real and very painful, right, will have an end. 
just that's why he uses the analogy of the woman giving birth, right? The, the mother giving birth. That you, you mothers know this. You know that you, when you give birth, you're in, you're in agony because your your hour has come. God says, and Jesus says in John sixteen twenty one. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, Jesus says she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that the human being has been born into the world. And the opposite of sorrow in Greek is God's kara, his joy, right? His kara, his kara, his joy. So our earthly lives will not be all joy and happy things. No, they will sometimes have trials and tribulations, but these again are only for a little while. They're only temporary. Yes, Paul Gerhardt, the great uh, confessional pastor in Berlin, who struggled um, with much persecution and much um, suffering in his wa- in his life? He watched his wife and many of his children die, and 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 uh, was persecuted for political and religious reasons by the king of Prussia. This guy, this guy understood suffering. He wrote this wonderful hymn in which he said, "A pilgrim and a stranger, I journey here below. Far distant is my country, the home to which I go. Here I must toil and travail, off weary and oppressed. But there my God will lead me." to everlasting rest. Who would share Abraham's blessing must Abraham's path pursue. A stranger and a pilgrim like him must journey through. The foes must be encountered, the dangers must be passed. A faithful soldier only receives the crown at last. Yes. Martin Luther agrees with this summation of Gerhardt. He writes when he preached on this very same sermon almost more than 500 years ago, he said that we should learn very well this lesson, this gospel lesson today for Jubilate, so that, so that we will have the right perspective in time of, of affliction, a perspective that enables us to say, I do have grief now, but it will only be for a little while. It will only be for a little while. And my sorrow will be turned to joy. I have to understand, Luther writes, that the devil will never stop assailing you. If you speak the truth, the world will rage madly. It will begin to curse and condemn and persecute you. And you'll have to endure scorn and mockery. But again, Luther says, it's only for a little while. Just a little while. And then heaven forever. Heaven for eternity after the little while. Yes, yes, as if to drill this idea of brevity into our consciousness, Jesus repeats the phrase, a little while. Not once, not twice, but, but seven times. Sometimes on his own lips, sometimes on the lips of the different apostles. But, but, but seven times Jesus says, a little while you will not see me. Right? A little while and then you will see me. Just a little while. These crises which are real, they are real, are yet limited but that's easy for me to say, right? It's easy for us to say when we're not in the crisis. Because when you're in the crisis, it's so easy to, 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 to question like Gordon Lightfoot and, and want to ask, does anyone know where the love of God goes when the waves turn the minutes to hours, right? It's so easy that we're in the middle of the crisis to want to cry out like Jesus does on the cross, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Yes, God forsook his son on the cross, with the payment of our sins, but God the Father never forsakes you, ever. He forsake his son so he wouldn't forsake you. He never forsakes you, never. He's with you always, even to the end of the age. 
It's always with you, right? There is no, no mountain so high that God is not there, no, no, no depth so deep that God is not present. The day and the night are the same to him. He is always with you, always. Though for a little while, it'll seem like he's not, but he is. But just because you can't see him doesn't mean he's not there. Just means maybe that you're using the wrong set of eyes. Maybe you're looking for him with your, with your earthly eyes instead of using your ears through the word to find him, right? Now, in a little while, you'll, you will see me again in your joy. No one will take from you. And this reality of God being visible to us again and our joy being given to us, a permanent joy, is a reality here this very day in this very place. In this very place, God is taking from you your lupe, your, your grief, your sorrow, and he's replacing it with his kara, his joy. And how is he doing this? He's doing it through his word, through his word, through his words of eternal life. Christ is tangibly reaching out to you just as he did to his dead friend Lazarus. And, and just as his words called Lazarus from the grave, so God's words this very day are calling us from death into life. They are. And how do we know this? We know this because his eternal life giving word has been embedded with water. Holy baptism. That's how we know it. Jesus' eternal life giving word has been literally embedded in water so that, so that we know that in baptism we're born again of water and the spirit and that he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. We also know this just as Jesus' eternal life giving words are also attached to the bread and wine of holy communion. So that we come to communion, we taste and see that the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever, forever, forever. As we eat and drink his true body and blood, which are given and shed for us, for the forgiveness of our sins. And when your sins are forgiven, you are given a joy that will never be taken from you. The joy of eternal life in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I need to I need to clarify the final hymn. 
nobody. Nobody. I was just looking for something. Nobody. Not yet. Not you. Not yet. Welcome this morning. We're glad everybody's here. Um, before I do my normal uh, announcements, we uh, Pastor Lehman has an announcement that he'd like to make. Thank you, Pastor. Yeah, it's really, really, really hard. We, we, we. Um, I can speak on behalf of the parish, at least on behalf of myself, and maybe many of you. I'm sure that we've really enjoyed having you here, Pastor. And I think Pastor's done a really good job. And he's a very hardworking pastor. And and uh, what what a lot of people don't know is to understand is that when you get out of seminary, you're only required. It's a kind of an unwritten rule that you should sort of stay in that parish a couple years, um, because you really don't have much of a choice where you're sent the first time, and he's been here seven years. So that that's really a, quite a vote of confidence, how much he, he and his family love uh, Fairhope and love y'all. So it's really great, but we're going to miss you. Um, I can say for myself, that's certainly true. We have a few prayer requests and announcements. Uh, one, is, uh, one announcement is that uh, hymn 633, At the Lamb's High Feast We Sing, uh, through my oversight, we will sing verses 1 to 5 during the distribution. And then the last three verses at the end, uh, in the early service, uh, we sang it twice, and and I was uh, people told me about that that they <laughs> they thought it was a bit of overkill, and and I apologize. Normally I break those long ones up, but I apologize. So one to five, just do this, just do your hand. That's easy, right? And then just the scout's oath for the second one, the last three. So the easy mnemonic there to remember that. Um, also, um, we have um, this week. Of course, we have um, the German Sausage Dinner is this weekend, which coincides with Fair Ups Arts and Crafts Festival, April 30th through May 2nd. 
Um, we, we always need a lot of volunteers. This supports our youth program. We don't have any budgeted money for our youth. So everything that goes to support our youth programs come out of that. So we really appreciate everybody's participation, either in donating things, uh, homemade pie and things like that, or, or, or your, your time. Um, it's a great, uh, great opportunity for fellowship and also fun meeting the people that come in off the street and, and we get to feed. It's really nice. And the potato salad and the brats and everything, everything's wonderful. So just, uh, just look at the board in the back. If there's something open, please consider helping or being part of that. It's a fun, fun, fun times had by all. Also swaddling clothes because of, um, because of arts and crafts is going to be postponed one week to Saturday, May 8th instead of the first Saturday of the month this month it'll be May 8th just to, if you're part of swaddling clothes also the Miles and Gibbons families uh, would like to thank everybody for their support and prayers uh, everything that y'all have done for them has been greatly appreciated and, and they just ask that you would continue to pray for them as they mourn and then the stained glass windows there's work being done in that and, and uh, you can talk to John about it if you're interested in helping um, also the roof has been completely replaced on the south side of our sanctuary uh, we appreciate John your 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 work in making that happen, and uh, there's also we're also looking at HVAC issues for the fellowship hall. Uh, so you can also talk to Mr. Ulrich about that if you're interested. The Lord be with you. And then also one further prayer request. We have one prayer request, and that's for Gray Hankins. Uh, she Frank she uh, has broken a bone in her foot and asks that we pray for her um, to get around and heal. The Lord be with you. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace that is from above and for the well-being of the churches of Christ and the godly unity of all Christendom, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house and for those who in faith, piety, and the fear of God offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. For Matthew and Eric, our shepherds and bishops in Christ, for all pastors and teachers and all people, let us pray to the Lord. For our nation and all our people, for our president and Congress, our governor and legislature, our judges and magistrates, and all who serve in public office, let us pray to the Lord. For the sick and the sorrowing, for those who mourn, for those who are in need and distress, for the homebound and the infirm, especially we pray this day for, for Bob and Jackie and Godfrey, for Eddie and Norma, Kim and Suzette, Sandra and Bill, for Barbara and Chris, for Gail and Therese, Marion and Clayton, for Meredith and James, for George and Larry Dean, for Earl and Paul, Suzette and Bob, Mallory and Mark, Jennings and Hank and Sandy and Megan, for Isaac and Haley and Stella and Marilyn, for Patty and Cecil, Michelle and Carl, Karen and Jimmy, for Tina and Ainsley, Richard and Kevin, for Kevin and Colleen and Ron and Mary Ellen, for Brian and Natalie, Thelma and Jesse, for Ralph and Theo, Easton and Janice, for Doug and Fallon, for Colby and Jamie and Audra and Francis. We pray for the families of our parish who mourn, especially the Gibbons and the Miles families, the Ellis family, the Smiths, 
the Ovaries, the Parsons, the Neelands, the Nieces, and the Barbies, and the Triones. And we pray, Heavenly Father, also for those serving in our country's armed forces, especially Paul Turner, Paul Hayden, and Mike. And we pray for all of our university students, including Stanley and Colleen, Griffin and Noah, Harrison and John, for Katie and Dylan, Audrey and Dylan, Rosalind and Sarah, for Olivia and Jason, Jacob and Minnie, for Emma and Carly. And we pray, Heavenly Father, also for those to whom death is drawing near and for us all, that when our last hour shall come, we may depart this life in the, in the, um, you might depart this life in the confidence of the sure faith, the consolation of a right, devout, and holy hope, and in the communion of Christ's holy church. Let us pray to the Lord. Recalling those who have gone before us in the faith and rejoicing to share with them the Sabbath rest which Christ has won for his people, that together with them we may be found faithful in the day of judgment and rejoice in the day of the resurrection of the dead. Let us pray to the Lord. We pray, um, especially this day, uh, for Pastor Lehman as he, as he is um, transitioning in his ministry. Almighty and everlasting God, who does great wonders and sends down upon thy ministers and upon their congregations committed to their charge a helpful spirit of grace, be now with Pastor Lehman as he will move from Fairhope to Jonesboro, Arkansas. We pray that you would pour down upon him the continual dew of thy blessings. We ask this through the merits and mediation of thy son, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with thee in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever.